marketing in the foundry industry is like, hmm, the next year goes is in two years. How should our booth look like? Should we change something in our flyers? That's one thing. Mm. Maybe the website needs a new article every six months. In my view, I, I need to quote uh, Mr. Per Jansson at, at, at Comtech. Uh, he says that when founders do a marketing campaign, they they actually drag the telephone a little bit closer to them and then they a little bit more aggressively wait for a customer to call. Hello and welcome to this gold nugget of the Gold Casting Podcast. I'm Fabian Niklas and I'm here with Stefan Zetterström. And today, today's topic will be sales and marketing. Stefan, yeah. you're the sales and marketing guy. What yeah, I'm the sales guy. That's absolutely <laughs> Oh, right. you're the sales. So what's the difference? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very good in handing out brochures and inviting people for gin tonic on trade fairs. Yeah, that, that's that's my main topic. Now, ser- seriously, a little bit of my background. I, I started sales in um, quite some companies, number of companies from zero to something uh, over the last 20, 25 years. It's the only thing I know how to actually get sales going. And uh, the more I do it, the less I know about the small, tiny details, but the bigger understanding I've I've actually achieved on what is important and uh, coming back to it, the the focus of it. So so this is why we have this episode about sales marketing in the foundry industry. Now, Fabian, could you give us your reflection? You're also a long timer in the casting industry. How is marketing working in, in the casting industry? Marketing in the foundry industry is like, hmm, the next year goes is in two years. How should our booth look like? Should we change something in our flyers? That's one mm-hmm. thing. Maybe the website needs a new article every six months. In my view, I, I need to quote uh, Mr. Per Jansson at, at, at Comtech. Uh, he says that when founders do a marketing campaign, they, they actually drag the telephone a little bit closer to them and then they a little bit more aggressively wait for a customer to call. Um, I, I don't That's think that analogy, yeah, yeah, but, it, but it's basically not marketing, it's basically waiting to make a sale. Marketing is for me, at least in my definition, it's way earlier in the sales it process. Is. It is so. What do you do to create a marketing? I, I would say my, my first point I, I've been working in the foundry industry on and off since 1997. And one aspect that I found before going into the marketing section uh, is that there's pretty often a guy that is called marketing and sales or manager marketing and sales. You never find it's very, very seldom that you find someone that's manager marketing or head of marketing. Uh, because of course, you go to Neamaker or GF, you'll find one probably, yeah. but but it's very rare. Yeah, but you don't need it to get your booth right. It's, you can do on the side. Yeah, but why should you have a marketing manager? Yeah, that's the important question because I think first we have to define what actually differences between the sales guy and the marketing guy. Exactly. And the sales guy, if, if, if you are agreeing with me, I, I'm a strong believer of having a marketing manager and a sales manager. In even in small companies, uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I think since Dieselgate, our world in the foundry industry has been a little bit upside down. Uh, we have a lot of movements and these EVs, and we covered all that in, in, in other episodes. 
But the more, the less stable your market is, the more intelligence you need to position yourself, to build a brand, to to understand what's happening. And and I would say that all that I would place on the desk of the marketing manager to actually give a decent answer to the CEO and later the board. What is happening? This is our suggestion to meet the changes. This is these are our objectives to increase turnover to make more money. That's the important thing for me. In contrast, how would you define a sales manager's job? Yeah, day-to-day -day sales. He should be on top of today's sales to 2015 or 12 or 18 or just a limited time time frame where he should be on top of the sales to already customers. If you already have the account, he is more or less, if you look at mid-size, small-size companies, he is the key account for sure. But because when I see people being marketing and sales managers, it is striking how they are filling the days with endless meetings about the forecast, engineering changeovers, new discussions on new parts, and blah, 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 blah. Meaning there's no time for the important stuff. How are we supposed to be positioned? Are we leaving this application? Is this application one of the ones that will diminish in the future if, if we all go electric, for example? Uh, should we be more vertical integrated with our friends and colleagues? Uh, should we look at the foundry to work with? Maybe bring up ideas for the CEO for the, and for the board for the long game, for example. To put it in very few words, marketing manager, the long game, sales manager today and rest of the year. As a marketing manager, you're basically required to see where you're going to make the money in the future, how you get there and how position yourself and the foundry. And then basically start a campaign that goes and moves the company in that direction. Yeah, that, that was, a, <laughs> that was a, a brilliant lead to the next thing. Campaign. What, what is a marketing campaign in the foundry industry? And, and dear listener, we want you to be prosperous. We want you to make hell of a lot of money. We want you to see increased turnover, nicer in the workplace, more money to invest, all that. And when we are doing this episode in, in the pre-work and pre-context of it, you said that we, we are pretty much jumping on you and, and calling everybody ignorant when it comes to marketing. But, but it is actually our belief that 80-90% of the founders are very low when it comes to the know-how and understanding why they should do marketing, that this is actually the tool for the profits five years from now. So if you have a vision being in this industry more than four years, I think thinking about this and discussing this is actually a, a key point. You have to put yourself on the map. You currently have maybe 5, 10, 15, 25 customers, but there are more that would like to buy products from you. So you have to put yourself on a map that they see, oh, there's a company somewhere in the last piece of earth and then around the corner and we want to buy products from them. That's how, what positioning does. It makes you a brand that people recognize, but people tend to or say, mm -hmm. hey, we heard a lot about you. We do have a new product. Why don't you send us an offer? Yeah, and I think if you, if you look at the investment in the foundry industry, we all know that DC machines are, are terribly expensive. Uh, call Bueller, LK, whoever, and, and ask for a quote. There's a big pile of money. But the interesting thing is that I find it easier to discuss an investment in a new die-casting machine than an investment in marketing. And 
I think it is that that's common base. That's where you have been the last 25 years, buying machines, maintenance of machines and running machines. That's something you know. Marketing is more a fluffy thing that flows around. And, and we all have the prejudice that the marketing guys are just, you know, guys in suits and suede shoes, a little bit more overpaid sales guys. But one has to keep the difference. Marketing is about the five years from now. It's a strategic investment, and, and they, these are difficult to defend if you don't have the right board. Exactly, and also marketing changed so much. It's not anymore going to conference A and B and going to one big exhibition once every few years, and then you're set. And with now with all the social media, with the possibilities the digital and the internet gives you, mm. and especially nobody else does it, so you're basically the first one. Yeah, so yeah. if you're listening, just start because you have yeah. the, the being the first one as an advantage. Exactly, and 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 uh, you're you're proving a point there that if you do something in this industry, you're already in the elite when it comes to the marketing. Take for example me. I'm just one consulting sitting in Switzerland. How should the world know that I'm here? Mm. Nobody's ring my bell say, hey, we heard you're here. Let's talk. No, I have to present knowledge, position myself. I do it on LinkedIn with a newsletter that works exceptionally well because people like to read interesting things. And if you do a lot of them, they tend to follow you and then contact you if something comes up because they already know, hey, we know them. You don't know these people, but they know you from the output you generate. And that is and you marketing. Get a question. Yeah, you have to generate questions. And then if people are interested and more and more questions arise, they will mm. contact you. Maybe you present Exhibit A, we installed blah, 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 and had production of part X, Y, Z. And then Spy says, hey, our part is similar. Hey, I call them and say, hey, can you do ours as well? It, it, there is an expression that no man is an island, and that's deeply philosophical. But it, the same goes for a company. For sure, you cannot sit still in your foundry in the woods in Sweden and, and hope that someone hears about you. you. You have to be out there with some kind of message. That leads me to a discussion. I want to add content. something to that. Oh, because sorry. it just being the best is great for your existing customers. But it doesn't bring you any new work because just being the best is the one that everybody wants to be. But it's not the one that is market and that is bring in new things. I would say like this, before starting marketing, we're going to discuss in this episode a little bit more about the different uh, marketing versions and, and uh, alternatives and the tools that are out there from our perspective, someone asked us. But the first key thing is to understand what the market feels about you. If you ask your current customers, it could be a quite nasty thing to do, because if they are honest, they would probably say, yeah, you have been doing this for a long time. You're fairly cheap and we got someone to call in the right time. So that's your value on the market. You can, you can imagine how easy you are exchanging if someone shows up. A little bit of a threat here. We see people going bankrupt. We see P&Ls that are bleeding despite full order books. What will happen with the parts? How long will the customers trust these ones? Being important has never been more important than now. Here comes the thing. There's a guy in Sweden called Alexander Bard, Mr. Alexander Bard. 
He's a philosopher in uh, marketing and sales, and he is actually doing helping celebrities when, when they do something bad. I love to hate this guy. He has a big red beard. He walks in shorts in the middle of winter in Sweden, and that's not a nice thing to do. And he, he has a, a voice that, that, you know, you can cut frozen fish with a voice. Very short guy. He's difficult. But here comes the thing with Alexander Bard, he's always right. He wrote an article about how to how internet will develop in 1992. And I read, reread this article two years ago, and it was checked in all nine boxes. He said, for one thing, your children are going to live on the internet in social media. And we all said 1992 that, yeah, 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 he's been eating some kind of mushroom again. Turns out so he has always done these things. And he wrote a piece two years ago, and he said that marketing is dead. It's all about content. Exactly. Content, content marketing is the best thing you can do. Because looking at LinkedIn, most people praise themselves for having a coffee in, in a break because they're not working themselves to death. Nobody likes to read that. You just brush through it. But that gets some likes. What really brings the interesting people to you is content, explaining things, helping exactly. them to get a different knowledge level. And then it also has two factors. It affects your customers. And as a foundry, you need skilled people. If you train the people, like if they're studying or working and say, hey, it's really cool how to do it. People like to work there, which gives you more knowledge. And then it's a flywheel going your way. Yes. And the more interesting you are, the more people like to speak with you and the more people that speak with you the better influx of information you will get and and i think this is the key if you are doing a marketing campaign now i'm going to kick on the big corporations here even the big founder groups uh, i've been a purchaser of die castings and and believe me back then and almost today as well you see they they are thinking like yeah we need a new video okay how is the video looking? Uh, yeah, we have a flyby of a new factory. Okay. Uh, and then you have uh, managers in white coats, you know, leaning over an operator, you know, doing some kind of assembly. And then there's a safe voice telling that we have been leading in the, the supply of blah, 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 blah. And it's so freaking uninteresting. Yeah, also, if you are uh, a don't, purchaser. Don't forget the outro with the main entrance to your office building. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. We we had the two in my workplace when I came there. Anyway, my point is there's zero content in such a video and it cost them probably 100,000 euros while some effective ads on LinkedIn is what? 500 euros. Making probably yeah. a better job. Exactly. And also the more content you bring in that people like to read, it spreads like wildfire if you have some interesting things to say about and then you don't need a big marketing budget. It's basically no. one guy with a keyboard typing interesting things, adding a nice picture which you can take yourself or buy from some picture platforms and then you're good to go or record a short video but you explain something. Yeah, I, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to close the first section of this nugget, uh, but, but I would like to, to before we do that and, and go into different channels and, and how to work with them, I would like to stress out two things that are extremely important for the following discussion. Number one, it is not a goal to reach millions and millions of people. The goal is to reach the right people. 
you're not selling a lipstick and you need a million people buying it to make a few bucks. You just need the right people that you say millions to. That's the important thing. Or to reach yes. the right people that work for you, that bring you another millions. And here comes my second point that we started off with when I was in almost agony over this mixture of the marketing and sales manager. Let me put it this way. There's super nice tools, as Fabian is pointing out. There's LinkedIn and all the channels we're going to go through very, very soon. But they all demands creativity because you create that content and it has to be a content that's true. You create things that you send out in different channels and you have to understand the different channels. You're, you're probably better off with a 25-year high school graduate that understands social media than me, 53, being in the foundry industry of my whole life, for example. So how should a marketing and sales guy have the time and especially the energy to be creative about marketing when his schedule is filled from eight in the morning to five in the evening with pressing meetings with an OEM customer, a tier one customer discussing engineering changeover, changes in the forecast, blah, 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 blah. Where, 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 where do you think if you're an owner of a foundry that he will come up with this bright idea that you position you in the EV industry in a way that the top 10 customers will immediately call you when they see a need for your services to solve a problem. Yeah, it's impossible because creativity needs a stress-free environment. So you cannot be stressed, oh, I'm making that sales presentation, I have to death and jump in that meeting. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And also with your marketing, consistency is the most important thing. Yeah, you cannot do if you we have four weeks in a month or we make four LinkedIn posts about interesting topics. Mm. They have to be consistent every week on a certain day, certain time that people know, OK, coming and then algorithm say, oh, they're constant content producer. We hype them up. It doesn't bring you anything. You say, oh, I missed three weeks. Now we publish five articles in one week. They will suck. I think that's a super important point you're pointing out there, Fabian. I actually, I actually forgot it when I did, was doing the manuscript for this. But repeating is not only that you are getting people to, to attract to your message and, and you get all these algorithms up. It is also to create a follower base. I mean, this is super crazy, but, but in my workplace, we have some 1800 followers and I went through the list of thousand of them are super important. The rest of them are very interesting. It took us three years. So, so having the grand opening one off in February, spending a hundred thousand euros on the video and then doing nothing for for the rest of the year. Good luck. Then I think you should buy a nice dinner for all your employees instead, because then they will go out there and tell you what a lovely employer they have, and that will probably be worth more. Yeah, word of mouth is the most important thing. And that's why content marketing works that good, because if you put out interesting posts, other people like it, comment on it, and their social group sees it as well. Yes. And then you expand your reach. That's interesting. It doesn't, let, let, it doesn't cost you anything from your marketing budget. Yeah, but I let, let's go into the channels now, because what I have learned, the only thing I've learned, or one of the few things, is that what you say could be interesting. It could lead to that someone check you out and so forth. But what makes people trust you is actually what someone else is saying. 
Did you follow me now? That, that exactly. And also, what I like to add, it's an exponential growth. Because if I tell two people about your company and it's so great, maybe they tell two more people and then you have a pyramid scheme that work yeah, in yeah. your way. Before leaving this top, topic, Fabian, this is so important for me because when you start sales in a, in a company from zero and then you think that, yeah, but we have had our, our business for, for 25 years. Yeah, but maybe you're building something new in your company and that actually starts from zero. It could be a going for a new application. You're, you're fed up doing knuckles. Now you want to do carbon dioxide compressors or, or you want to enter telecom industry. Uh, that's another episode. Listen to that. But you want to do a major change and then you start from zero. And the thing is trust and credibility. And, and how do a human being get credibility? Well, it is actually when someone else is saying something about you. Like you can trust Fabian, you know, he's a decent guy. I landed him uh, 10,000 euros and he, he paid it back or I asked him to, to do a, a job for us. And goddamn, it was expensive, but, but it was good. So, so now we always use Fabian because we, we know that he's, he's delivering. You, 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 are you following what I'm saying? It's, it's like a car repair shop. If they do what they're supposed to do, they're, they're on time. How did you know that the first time? Because your neighbor told you, yeah, there are two mechanics, you know, one is a little bit cheaper down the road and they do a decent job. But I, sometimes I have to go back and you feel, OK, I'm driving 50,000 K a year. I want my car in the time that they say, and it will be working, I will not be standing still on the highway. It's, it's so, so trust and credibility, credibility you get from others, trust you get from your own experience. So, so it, it goes yin and yang all the time because your neighbor, he had the trust because he had that experience. And that's why he gave them credibility to you when he says that, yeah, there are two repair shops, use that one. It's more expensive. You will not be standing on the highway. Exactly. And also, you always get the credibility and the recommendations if you deliver more value than you charge for. And the value is not in a monetary sense necessary. It's like the safety. Oh, they look after my car. I don't get overcharged. They don't change things that are not necessary. But they say, hey, that's something that's going to fail soon. Why don't we change that? That's something that you want. You're happy that they say it because you feel like, Oh, sure. I'm going up to Lulu. It's 1,063 kilometers. It's a long way to be standing somewhere in the middle. And I have a damn important meeting with the LKAB or SSAB, the steelmaker. I don't want to be late. It is like you're going with train in Sweden. The only thing you know that you will have a delay. Is it one hour or three hours? Will I go to Gothenburg at all? I choose the airplane. I mean, I've been flying to Gothenburg, which is crazy. Why do I do it? Because I don't trust the railway. Why don't I do it? Because all the people are telling me that I was on a train. It was three hours, 40 minutes late. Exactly. I mean, it goes both ways. So if you start to have a bad, a negative influence on your brand, what is it based on? Delivery problems. Uh, you are difficult to negotiate with. Uh, you are a supply risk. Uh, you don't bring anything to the table, which is new that help our designers. And then you have the negative spiral. So, so now we're talking about yeah. the, the positive spiral and this uh, nugget, of course. But if you are in a negative spiral, then you need marketing and you need to shape things up a little bit. And then you need to work on more channels. So let's discuss the channels. One thing I'd like to add there is, is if you're in a negative spiral, you're not getting out of it by doing the things better that you that cost it. You need to do something else to get you out of it. 
Yes. What, what kind of marketing channels sh- should we run them one by one or or should we? Yeah, let's say like this. Maybe keep them an overview. Number one today, uh, social media, meaning more or less in our industry, LinkedIn. Uh, then you have something called search engine optimization, meaning ads on Google. You have articles on on uh, in foundry magazines, and believe me, there are many of those. Then you have trade fairs, you have conferences, uh, you have regular sales tours, of course, uh, cold calls. What do we have more? That's pretty like much university events. And the final, most important one, the gossip guys. Oh, there are a lot of them. Yes. There are so many people in the foundry industry that travel from foundry to foundry selling you needed stuff. But there's also other gossip guys. There's the gossip guys that are helping big organizations, board meetings, special uh, examinations and and reports on on, uh, what's changing in the industry. And they're not gossip guys, but they are carrying a lot of important messages. And getting into that portfolio is the big dream. But let's start from the beginning. LinkedIn. Do we like LinkedIn, Fabio? LinkedIn is great. You feel? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Especially comparing different social media platforms like the Instagram, the TikToks. You need a lot of followers and a lot of money to spend to get a big reach. Mm. On LinkedIn, it works a bit differently. Even with a very low follower content, you get a very... I I must push in now, guys. We are not paid by LinkedIn, but we love LinkedIn, both of us. Yeah, because if you have interesting content... It can spread like wildfire without any sense in marketing budget. I, I might add something on LinkedIn. If if you are feeling for spending, you can actually buy for what is it, 50 euros a, a month for 60 or something. Uh, so you get something called a sales navigator. And, and with the sales navigator, you can identify among all people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the biggest one. You can type in, for example, uh, telecom, five years experience, mechanical design. And whoops, you have a list of 25 people that works exactly this. So so, so this is, is making very interesting things with LinkedIn that A, you can do a great thing that goes a little bit viral and people are commenting. And, and this is the, the top thing of, of uh, Mr. Fabian Niklas. Uh, we use it very often. I've been using it before when I want to target a specific group. Could be 10 people. I mean, take... Casting sustainability, for example, and and then you actually get people that are working sustainable castings. I mean, imagine when I started in business in the early 90s, you you took more or less the yellow pages and you you made a list of companies and you started cold calling. And if you were happy after a week, you, you actually had the number to one or two guys that you needed to speak with. You have no idea how many they were. Is that enough? Is are there 50 more? So LinkedIn could be like surgery. It could yeah. also be the big poster for the whole world. Okay, it's a big spotlight on your company that you can put on. The only thing with LinkedIn, uh, I, I kind of feel that don't get stuck there. Do a proper job. And as Fabian said just a few minutes earlier, if you start to use LinkedIn, you have to have a publication list. That you know that I'm going to do uh, uh, something every second week or every week. And I do it repeatedly. So you have a plan that January, mm, we push for this. In February, we probably have a nice nomination to tell about in March. And then you can do 
one or two or three ads on on every subject. We're doing something here that is interesting to to get the curiosity and get the curiosity. People comment. When they comment, you will get more followers. I just said an announcement that you get a new part. Getting a new part. It's not an information that's really relevant besides you and your customer. Relevant. But, it's more yeah. like showcasing. But, 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 what now, the properties now we go, are, what we, your special, what's your special sauce or something like that without telling too much, but get information around it, how you landed that, what's special about the application, what does it yes. do? That's more interesting yeah. to everyone else. And what have you Getting added? Getting the part is the most important something. thing to you, but not to your audience. You have to think about your audience, not about yourself. Yeah, and the audience would probably, they, they don't... Give a rat's ass if you have sold yet another knuckle to the General Motors, Ford, or, or or Audi. But if you have done this in a specific way, without a formal treatment, with a new alloy, going into a new field with a new alloy, new application, that's content, and and that's where the creativity comes in. And creativity shouldn't frighten anybody. Sometimes you just have to think a little bit wider. What about the audience? What are they looking for? So that was LinkedIn. Uh, should we take trade fairs? I think I think trade fairs are of course important to meet your current customers but how shall I put it the ones if you have done your marketing good enough they already contacted you and then it's very nice to go to Eurogas because those guys that you have been running 25 teams meetings with will show up have a beer shake hands human interaction is there brilliant but don't stop there go to other things because in at, at Eurogas is my favorite, or you can discuss GIF as well. Same people, same place, same event, a lot of good, nice German beer. It is what it is a little bit. So when you discuss trade fairs, look for something different. And it's popping up bundles of them right now. You, you like trade fair conferences, they are a little bit the same. But, but if you look at it, you find, for example, gatherings where people that are designing electrical vehicles in general, and in particular, battery compartments. Do you have a foundry that is, is involved in uh, thermal management parts? Check in a box. Do you happen to have a ability to cast something else than a 226? Check in a box. And then it goes. So, so when you look at trade fairs, don't skip Eurogas. I don't want to, to piss them off, so they call me and shout in German. I don't understand German. Uh, but but it is so important to look a little bit at who is attending and who is actually appreciating me for doing uh, yet another content. And that might be the designer. Is the designer walking around the Eurogas? Hardly, because good designers or good decision makers, they are too important to spend two days at the Eurogas or the GIFA. And Maybe they, they just walk around for one day, and but they are scheduled meeting after meeting after meeting. So yeah. you don't really have, if you're not having in a, a meeting set up in advance, you're not get to them. Maybe if you're lucky, I don't, you can get them a flyer or something like that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be the quarter to five guy, you know, standing yeah. there with someone who's so so bored, so exhausted, and you know the sound and the noise of it. And 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 believe me now, it it, it might sound that I have a bad experience of of uh, these trade fairs. I have not. The last time we ran Eurogas, I had four people in line in front of my face from nine in the morning to five in the afternoon. So so we had a great show. Thank you, Eurogas. You're the best. But you have to combine Eurogas and GIFA with some other stuff. And and I'm get going to stop to your booth because it will be a hell of an expensive beer to talk to your existing customers. You just call yes. them up, travel to them, 
invite him for a nice lunch, you will get out way more than mm. being at the having a booth at a trade fair. They are important. They it's are important, important to meet them there, but it's not the only thing you can do because otherwise it will be so much expenses without being having an impact. Let's go to the next one because this has a little bit to do with it. Articles. Articles you might think we're not journalists uh, and I, I'm happy to agree with you. You're probably not a journalist because if you were, you will not work in a foundry. It's the total opposite of foundry work. But articles serve a number of purposes. First of all, they are the information carrier of your content. And before you think that, okay, this is great, I'm going to make an article, 10,000 people are going to read it. No, that's not the way. You want the exact 15 important people to read it from A to Z, because most people will never read it. We had an ad in, in, in uh, at LinkedIn, it had 74,000 views. It had a small article, the downloading was 700. And we were happy like children because we can see on LinkedIn, it was the right people. So what and why should I make them more? Well, there's another thing here, uh, Google. If you think that you have some sort of expertise in the foundry industry and, and you want to hammer this out to get more business, if you're writing articles and people start to search for things, they learn, here's an article about A356 thermal treatment in wheels, for example, just picking something. All of a sudden, the equations at Google will start to push for you. As soon as someone actually type in casted A356 wheels without that thermal treatment, boom, your article will come up. So it is as a, a content carrier, it gives you the spotlight, but it also trims your Google. It is actually very, very important because you can see how different words are trending on Google, for example, and, and how many times people are, are typing in in my case, Rio casting, for example. And you can see that the more articles you have out there, the more coverage you are getting. It, this is very, very difficult to put a price tag on. Uh, That's so. possible. Also, if you have more articles on different platforms, like yes. LinkedIn, like the new sites, the magazine sites, or scientific papers that yes. are peer-reviewed, that gives you a lot of credibility. And Google as an algorithm really likes it if you can connect the dots. And, and there you put it again. Fabian, credibility. Because as I started off here, you, I'm not a journalist, I work in a foundry. Exactly. Why should you write the article? Also, you have to consider your reader is not your language teacher in school. The no. re your reader are other people in the foundry. And if you speak like them, structural, like they think, you're mm. the one they talk to. And yes. another thing is, if you have an issue, what's the first thing everybody does? Google it. And then your exactly. article pops up. Oh, Let's call them because our code supply doesn't bring the quality that we need. But there's an article about someone making it great. Let me call them. Maybe we have a move our production to that guy. Or we're looking for something. And and here comes the creativity. We're going to give you a couple of examples. We are a foundry. We are casting knuckles. Great. Uh, how should we write an article about knuckle and casting? Well, you shouldn't. That's the, the bitter thing here. Uh, you have to be a little bit creative. Are you the top number one in, in uh, Mississippi or uh, do you have a, let's say, a conference together with the University of uh, Duluth about sustainable castings? And there's a lot of things you can think of. It doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the exact production you're do doing now. It could be... I it know. could be just one piece because for the knuckles, it's really important that you don't have porosity in them. 
maybe yeah, talking about how to guy. prevent it with some top level, not going the details to give out your secrets, but teasing people, hey, we do have a system. I give an overview how pores form, which are different kinds, and then mm. spill your knowledge and say, hey, if you're our customer, you won't have that issue. Yeah, I would like to take it a step further. I mean, <laughs> there's no secret. I, I, I work with realcasting. How did we get people interested in or, or knowledgeable that we existed at all? The first three articles I wrote was about anything else than realcasting. It was about how is the diecasting industry evolving? It was about cost effects or blah, 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 blah. It, it, it was good facts, you know, and sometimes people actually call me and say, well, you're right in four out of five, but the fifth point you're making is absolutely nonsense. Oh, good, you read it. So exactly. and it also, doesn't it, it need to be a lot about of courage stuff. and interest to pick up the phone to call someone and yeah. discuss a topic yeah. that's really the highest level of reach. And if you condense it down, so for the article you mentioned, get to reach 74,000 people for 700 people to download and one calls you and mm. you're happy about it. That's the range that gives you. So you need a funnel to get the people that really interested and feed them with more information on the way. And this leads us to a subject which is very close to an article, and that is scientific conferences. Now we go techie here. Joining up with a university, if, if you're in Italy, call the guys in Padova or Brescia or somewhere, because these these organizations, they are, they are fed by grants. And that means that they have to have something interesting for the, the big, big spenders in diecasting or casting in general. And they have these frame projects and that are divided into smaller groups. And if you can join such a, a project in a good way, you have to spill some hours. It's, if, if you're small and mid-sized, it's about maybe one or two weeks in a die-casting machine. It could be something, something else. The thing is that there are these results, if you allow them, will be an article made by a couple of researchers, typically uh, one PhD or two PhD, you and the professor who is actually stamping okay, it's peer reviewed. It goes into, for example, S2P conference now in, in September, or you never know where it spins off. They have to tell you, nothing happens by accident in this world. And then one of these PhDs or doctors or professors are actually going to stand in front of an audience and say, well, together with this foundry, we have been done this, 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 and that. And we can conclude that we reduce the process with 5% or whatever, whatever, whatever. But this gives you credibility. Again, it drives the Google algorithm. It boosts your brand that you are actually playing around with these people. You want something, you want to develop something, and it gives a very, very interesting feel for your customers. Because they and would say like- It gives you a lot oh, of new knowledge because yeah. you learn something on the way. And another yeah. thing is, if you do more of these things, whatever platform you use, you see the response on that, and you can yes. narrow down which direction is more important to your readers, and then focus on that. Now, now, a bit of a warning. This is a long game. Projects like this, they tend to be free for five years. But as the Chinese people say, when is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago or today? Because time flies. And if, if you're playing this, playing, if, if you are participating in this and, and you, you find it quite interesting, all of a sudden... Daimler or Ericsson or whoever is, is asking this university, well, you know what? We're interested in this and this and that. 
This comes after one year. And then the professor calls and say, you know what, these guys are interested in, in uh, testing a new alloy for thermal connectivity, for example. Boom, you're sitting in the same room with your customers discussing what they need in three, four years. Yeah. And that, my friends, is a super value. Also, that's, if you see the students, incredible. they will finish their studies and go work for other foundries, your customers, and they already have a relationship with you because of that project. Yes. And they will bring it in, they tell their bosses about it, boom, you're on the table again. That leads us to the next subject. Uh, I, I said a little bit ironically, uh, gossip people, but people that talk about you and give you that credibility. And exactly as Fabian is saying, these people are important. Sometimes we tend to feel that we need to have, a, I don't know, that great influencer. But, you know, a very knowledgeable PhD student from that university, he will become a doctor. He will start to work for maybe your, your customer. And he would say, well, I did work with these guys. Oh, they're still there. Yeah, great guys. Interesting project. What are you doing next? They give you the credibility you need. And, and they are carrying your name. They are the small ambassadors. Small in the sense that you hardly notice it. They are important. They are the key in all marketing to get the third party credibility in everything we do. All the channels we're talking about, everything we do from brochures to Eurogases to, to sales talk has the aim of increasing our credibility and get those people to talk nicely about us so we get the chance to make more money, more profit. And that works really well. So there's a concept in psychology that calls reciprocity. You help them get their PhD, get interesting papers, get their job. They will pay you back with the same thing. Talking, still talking to you, carrying that relationship on to their new jobs and take you from company to company wherever they move. There, there's another thing in this. To, to Let's say that you say like this, that we're making this big transition. We need 10 people that talks good about us. The, the PhD guys or, or whoever actually that's that's there for you in the beginning and, and when they are in the beginning of their career, uh, that is quite a low effort. But if you take one of the big influencers, there are a few in our industry too, then you need hell of a lot of content to just be interesting. So, so, so this is this is a point. Yeah, you have to be very, very, because these people, that highly professional people that, that charge, you know, 300 euros per hour to be a consultant for, for the, the board of director of a big fund group, uh, they don't play around too much. They have filled agendas. They don't have time to spend 12 hours to understand what you're saying. So then you have another problem. You have the problem to, to create your elevator speech, to, to get the 20 seconds, to get them to listen in five minutes, to make them actually to work with you for three, four hours to really understand what in depth what you're doing. Because we are in a tech business. Everything has to be understood from the atom up to the subframe. Uh, so, so that makes it harder. I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but think about it a little bit. Who will influence your customer the best? Well, probably someone working at the customer because he's there 220 days a year doing his job. He is important, but the, it is a little bit under up and you have the top downs. The top downs are more difficult to get. But if you do your marketing, if you're out there, they will notice you and you will come across them. You will meet on that Eurogas maybe. You will have yeah. that beer and you have your elevator speech prepared and all of a sudden you have a dialogue. These things come with time, yeah. but you cannot start 
with the gossip people or the traders of information. Maybe we should call them that. Uh, you cannot start there. You have to do your homework first. What do I want to achieve? How should I do marketing? What is my publication list on LinkedIn? How should I work with search engine optimization? What university do I want to hook up with? When you have done that and started that, then you can start to address the high flyers. Exactly. Or basically, if you've done it in a perfect manner and tailored your content, they will reach out to you. Yes. Or, or if you had a, maybe at a trade fair like you were just, you're walking around, you get pulled into the booth because, hey, we know you, you read your articles. Let's give you a beer and let's talk. I think we should start to, to wrap it up. And I would like to go back from the beginning. Why should you do this? And I would like to give all foundry owners a new view of this. What if you could use your old equipment without any super investments to give it a commercial life length expansion of five, 10 years? That is actually what we're talking about now. Maybe you don't need to, to buy more hardware. Maybe you can find new application that pays off. You go from, I don't know, four to 9% profit margin in the end by investing more in marketing to actually start to steer in that. Because the natural reaction in our industry is that ah, we need to change. Why don't we buy more milling machines? We can do more of the processing because then our turnover is increasing. And then you do a calculation for machines, one million each, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but maybe the truth is that we should do marketing first to A, understand what do customers need in five years and B, what can we sell in five years where we can use to and defend our already done investment. With the marketing, you see where's the interest, find new topics. They're not new, but they're new for you and target them. And when you go up from a four to nine to 10, 15 percent profit margin and your enterprise value is traded at a 10x multiple. That's a doubling of your enterprise value just by finding a new spot to sell your products to. And that's the power of marketing. And it's yeah. quite a lot to, and complex to start and a lot of people selling you very high and very expensive training program coachings. So it's, it doesn't make it easier, but just start from the response on your marketing, you will see how good your campaign is. Uh, my final words to this nugget is that when, when I didn't know anything about LinkedIn, then I started to work with LinkedIn. Uh, we start to have traction. Things were going great. Then we did something super smart. We employed a 24-year-old woman called Moa. Moa had never heard about casting, but she has been born and raised in the era of social media. Guess what she taught us in two years, you know. You cannot write like this. And we have to post 10 o'clock every Tuesday. Our audience is 27 to 37% women. This is wrong, you know, because they are sitting on sustainability. So, so we, we, me and Pat, we were sitting there like schoolboys every week when we had a weekly gone walkthrough of our digital media marketing. And we learned like crazy and we were silent. And it's not often that I'm silent, but but I, I was Tuesday, nine o'clock every week. So try also, to employ she someone. Know, she didn't know about the founder industry and she can take your readers on the journey how she learns the yeah. company yeah and that's interesting one has to understand it's better to understand the digital era 
and social marketing and all these things, then it is to understand what is a biscuit, a ingate, a 46,000 alloy. Because these things, I'm sorry to say, don't get pissed off now. You can learn in basic level quite fast. But try to take a founder guy 53 years old and school him to become a market, social media marketing expert. That, that wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. So that was all for today. Thank you very much. Hope to see you in the next nugget. That's a perfect sentence to end in this case. See you in the next one. Goodbye. See you. Bye.